on protectors episode three plus 300 something today i'm joined by one excellent co-host and one mean guest my co-host today is callie you've seen her before on the show and we are excited to introduce maddie to the protectors podcast how you doing maddie good how are you i'm doing great and how are you callie dude freaking awesome super stoked i'm super stoked to talk about guns and firearms and training Mm-hmm. I I could talk to you all day long about nomenclature of guns and about, hey, this bullet does this and that bullet does this. But one thing I really do want to hit on with Maddie today is training, especially training women and especially training civilian women. So, Maddie, welcome to the show. Give us a little overview of who you are and where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah. So I'm actually down in uh, Alpharetta, Georgia, for anybody that's like kind of nearby. Um, I train full time. So it's I have my own business and I run most of my classes out of Sharpshooters USA and Sawmill Training Complex up in South Carolina. Um, but I also do a lot of traveling, too. So like two weeks out of the month, I seem to be gone almost consistently. So either whether I'm taking my own class or training somebody else or teaching in another state, that's kind of how I've been running things. Wow, that was a quick overview. I'm not even ready to go. I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm, like, I'm so bad at introducing myself. So what, for, like, for the people who don't know, what is the Red Letter Project? Exactly. Yeah, yeah. so Red Letter is kind of like that new branch off my business. Um, originally, when we first started it, it was just going to be another class that we just um, like made a little bit bigger. And then we realized like, hey, this should actually evolve into something like more, I guess, involved. So um, ended up making it a whole weekend retreat for women. And we've kind of phased it out in application phases and making sure we get the right people in there, you know, the, not skill wise, but more so just like character wise. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a Christian based event. So it's, it's faith based. That's the core of the mission. And then we're not only ta- teaching shooting, we're teaching medical stuff, uh, vehicle dynamics, hand to hand combatives. Uh, things that aren't just shooting a gun. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so freaking necessary too, man. It's so necessary. Yeah. That is hot out there. It's not just the gun. It's There's a lot that goes on before you put that gun in your hand. Yeah. And when you talk about the faith base, that also brings into like the moral compass mm-hmm. of what happens when you put that firearm in your hands. It's not only just engaging a target to stop it from injuring you or someone else. It's also, hey, what is going on around here? And I really kind of need to know what I'm doing. If I'm actually going to become like a protector out there yeah. and it doesn't matter what, if you're a male or female in today's day and age, everybody has to protect. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's definitely a mental and uh, spiritual decision before you even put a gun in your hand. Like if you're going to conceal carry, you need to, or plan to protect yourself with a firearm at some point. Like if that were to happen, you need to make that decision way long before that situation ever comes up too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So let's talk about um, some concealed carry stuff real quick, because I know a lot of women are carrying. We talked about this in the last podcast, but a lot of women are carrying firearms that are too small, yes. for, especially for their experience. And they think smaller is better. Yeah. So what are some of the considerations that you have for some women, maybe a, a couple holsters and then a couple pistols? Yeah. So I think like um, actually I talked about this on the on uh, with Lefty on lead podcast, like uh, let sorry, talking leads podcast. Um, we talked about how basically the market, like 
the gun companies have exposed a market like that. It was a marketing tactic for these smaller guns. Like, you know, you see like lady pistols and things like that. And they're always these tiny little guns or these little revolvers that shoot like three or four rounds. And it's, it's so, such a market. Oh, she froze. A little bit. Oh, it just froze. There you go. You're back. (laughs) You're back. back. Okay, we're back. Um, So a lot of people come in with this misconception that if you're a female or if you're smaller in stature, that you have to be using these tiny, tiny tools. And that's that's absolutely not true. Right. I'm five foot one and I weigh 115 pounds soaking wet. I carry a Glock 19 with an RMR on every single day. Um, And that's a full size pistol. So I think. kind of just translating and like communicating to newer students that, Hey, that's a misconception and kind of a myth that has been out around the industry for a long time, kind of changes their mind and explaining to them, like developing bad habits, first of all, on smaller pistols when they're new. Um, the recoil is a lot harder to manage when they're, when they don't exactly know what they're doing yet. Um, and also they might just not need something that tiny. They can just as well carry a full size pistol without having too much trouble. Right. What kind of holster do you use? Um, it depends. It depends on like, I guess the context of where I'm going and what I'm wearing, but really I think I just use a crucial concealment, like plain Kydex holster, like the simplest yeah. thing I can find. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to be tactical when it comes to your holster selections. No, so, not at all. Yeah. And you know, that works. exactly. Find something that works and train with it too. A lot of people buy this like fancy dancy holster. And I always tell the story about like, you know, I've carried, you know, law enforcement, a lot of times when you go do an operation or something, you always have like, you know, your duty belt and you have your gear and all this stuff and you're all geared up. 99% of the time though, when you're playing clothes or something, you're carrying it inside the waistband, outside the waistband or something that's really close to your body. But when you go to qualify, when you go to train with it, you always wear like the duty belt. Mm-hmm. So I go to the range and I'm wearing it. I have an inside the waistband holster. I've never really tried it before, but I go to, my, I go to the range. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to practice with this and see. And I didn't have the belt clip fully engaged on my belt. And the first thing you do when I go to quick draw is pull the whole holster out. <laughs> so make sure when you buy the holster, you're practicing dry fire with it. Dry fire. And what I mean, dry fire, unload the weapon, you know, practice with it and everything else like that. And make sure it's something that you want to wear and that's something you're comfortable with yeah. and that you can wear for multiple hours at a time. It shouldn't just come down to, hey, what's the pretty or what's the, the fancy dancy gadget today for guys and girls out there? Just find something that you're going to wear. Mm-hmm. And that also includes the gun you're going to carry. Because I carry multiple guns, a Glock 19 for work, uh, P365 for off-duty, and my main um, off-duty off duty is a P320. Mm-hmm. But the P365, get used to shooting that. Get used to being the holster for that. Glock 19, use it the holster that you're going to carry all the time and be comfortable with. Yeah. And maybe it costs 5 bucks, Maybe it costs 10 bucks, but it's the best holster you've ever had. Mm-hmm. You don't have to go and spend like $300 on it, some fancy Nancy yeah. with all the bells and whistles. The more, yes. more gimmicky is like the, I always tell people when they come in, they're like, oh, I saw this online. It's X, this is like X amount of money. I'm like, uh, if it's not just something simple that people have been using for a long time, it's probably kind of gimmicky and it's yeah. not worth your money. You know, we all have that. I don't know. I'm sure you guys have it. We have that box in our closet that we just kind of shoved to the side because we have like 50 holsters that we'll never do again because we thought it looked good at the time. It's just, it's like save yourself some time. Just get yourself a simple Kydex holster that's going to cover the trigger guard and fit comfortably. And, you know, yeah. 
practice with phalanx. it. Have you guys seen the phalanx holsters? They can, it fits like 120 different guns. It's a partial um, holster. So it basically sits in the grips exposed. And then like the tip of the pistol is exposed. Hmm. Um, but Rich ran one of those. And I think those are pretty sweet, especially for women who don't like, they're not really sure what kind of holster they should get. Well, that one actually, it will conceal or it won't conceal. It will carry up to 120 different pistols. So you don't have to have, you know, 13 different holsters for 13 different guns. You got one holster for all of your guns and it has really good retention too. One thing I always tell students too, like speaking of just consistency is uh, there's always like a learning curve for newer students when you go from never conceal carrying a gun, which is like pretty everyday life for most people um, to concealing all the time. You know, it's not the most comfortable thing and it's kind of weird to get used to that learning curve takes a little bit of time. So what I usually tell people is like commit to it for three months, no off days, like every single day, no matter what you're doing, at least can still carry it for a few hours, figure it, just figure it out. Like whether you're wearing a dress or like a t-shirt or pant, whatever it is, um, figure your way around it with that gun and whatever holster you need. And over that three month period of time, you'll get so used to doing that. You've formed a habit by that point and it's not as uncomfortable. It's not as like foreign to people. Yeah. Um, but that commitment is so important because what happens is like a lot of times people will want to conceal carry for a week, decide it's uncomfortable, get lazy and then never do it again. And then you lose them as a student too, because you're like that, you know, they're not interested because it's again, it's uncomfortable, but yeah. Yeah. That's probably one of the downfalls for women is when things get too complicated. We're like, mm-hmm. yeah, well, screw it. <laughs> it <doesn't laughs> well, that's one thing I wanted that. to do is I wanted to take a step back and say, okay, you know what? Um, your training is, is it more geared towards civilian women who have first time gun owners or is it kind of like a combination of both? I'm um, kind of both like beginner all the way to advanced. Like I've had quite a few, I'd say most of my student base has honestly started off with, like never held a gun before and they were my like I was their first contact with it and then we've stayed together for the past few years and now they're shooting competition or now they're you know involved in other classes and stuff and that's my goal like as a trainer like I want to retain students I don't want to just make a bunch of people that kind of know how to shoot I like to make people that actually know what they're doing over long periods of time um and for anybody that's kind of looking to go that direction of like serious training with an instructor Um, The best advice I can give you is don't just like book out one lesson with them and then never show up again. Like be consistent, like show up every couple weeks, at least do your practice in between the sessions. And that's how you're really going to get a lot out out of it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. I'm sending all my girls to you. Yeah, I appreciate it. (laughs) I'm the exact opposite. I want to I want to do the foundation work and then you guys teach them all the shooting stuff. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love my favorite part of shooting, I think, is like once they've come around that curve of understanding why they're doing certain things, then like nitpicking small little details and like small changes that make them a lot better. Like that's my favorite when the light bulb comes on. They're like, wait a minute. I just fixed my own mistake. Like now I know how to teach myself. I'm like, yeah, good job. That's <laughs> what my goal was. That's I like awesome. that. I like the excitement that people are getting out of it, too. Because yeah. if you have the, if you have that your first instructor is bad and your first experience with a gun is bad, your first walk into a gun shop, and Callie and I have talked about this ad nauseum about like that 50, 60, 80, I shouldn't say 50 year old anymore because I'm almost there. But that <laughs> old guy, that old guy that's behind the counter and he's like, oh, come over here, Missy. Let me give you this little two shot yeah. damage or 4570. It'll mm-hmm. knock a bear down. And you're like, dude, um, not every, <laughs> I don't want to shoot a revolver. I don't want a, anybody I know to shoot a revolver. Yeah. I love revolvers, but you know, I've carried a 357 airweight and it's like a 
hand cannon and you don't want that to be your first gun. Yeah. You want to find something that is comfortable. Yeah. And that's bad too, man. Like that's something that you have to get past when you're training because now they have it in their head that all guns are like that. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's not, it's, it's not that bad. Right. Mm -hmm. The fear inoculation for a lot of women can be really difficult. It's Mm -hmm. like firearm PTSD. Yeah. I've had, um, like I've had students, you know, they come in from all walks of life. Like if, um, some people are totally cool with guns and they've never shot them before. And they're like, oh, I'm just going to do this and have fun. And then other people come in with some sort of trauma. So you have to be aware of that. Like I have spent an hour just sitting on the range while somebody's cried and just gave them a hug and like, yeah. you know, dealt with that because there's that emotional side too. So concealed carry isn't really just like, you know, especially in the South, we have this big culture of everybody's got to carry a gun all the time. If you don't, you're not protecting your family. It's like, that's not necessarily true. Like give people grace and understand that there is an emotion behind it. And yeah. they might be dealing with something that, you might not see at first, you know. Mm-hmm. This episode brought to you by Big Tech's Ordnance. Use code PROTECTORS for 10% off of most everything. Why do I want you to go to Big Tech's Ordnance? Because they have the best customer service out there and they have live inventory. So if you go there and you want a part and it says it is in stock, it is in stock in their warehouse ready to ship. And most of the time that same day. And that is huge in this industry. So head over to Big Tech's Ordnance and use code PROTECTORS for 10% off most everything. BigTechsOrdnance.com. Absolutely. You know, on top of concealed carrying, on top of carrying that weapon is what happens either before or after you. You know, sometimes you're carrying the weapon and you come across someone that's been injured. Someone's mm-hmm. been shot or someone just, you never know. Some of these like car accidents out there, there could be some nefarious things going on before that car accident happened. So even when you walk up onto a scene, you know, you have to be able to prepare with the basic first aid. I mean, if you want to be a responsible person, you should know basic first aid for yourself, your family and others. So let's talk about that. I mean, are you given kind of like a quasi, are you given full blown first aid courses? Um, so I personally don't do the medical side just cause I've been focusing so hard on the other side of it, but I do contract a lot of instructors out to teach medical courses at the same ranges that I teach at. And then of course at red letter, because you know, one person can't do everything. It's better to pay people that specialize in something like that to do that for you. Cause I wasn't EMT. Like, yes, I know basic for first aid can teach it if I want to, but like, you know, I'd rather pay somebody that really, really knew their stuff to do that. Um, on top of that, like every single intro class I teach, every single like class, I, I try to make at least some at some point a point to talk about fitness, um, martial arts and medical stuff, uh, because sometimes you can't always have your gun. Uh, being fit overall is more of a deterrent than anything else. And then the medical side you're more likely to come in contact with a car crash where somebody's like severed a hand or is bleeding out or whatever than an actual shooting. Of course, like everybody knows right. that. So, yeah. It's super important. Oh, do you want to talk about your martial arts background? <laughs> oh, I guess. Yeah. See, I'm, I'm so bad at introducing myself. <laughs> I'm like, not. <laughs> <good at> it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so used to, used to cage fight, uh, took a little bit of a break from that just cause the business got really heavy. Uh, still do jujitsu, like still doing that at 7am every morning. I absolutely love it. Uh, we are going to incorporate a little bit of martial arts at Red Letter Project this upcoming May. Um, again, that's just basic, like just basic stuff to help people at least be self-aware. I think the biggest thing with martial arts is you don't necessarily have to compete. You don't have to dedicate all your time to it. But what it does teach you is like getting used to having people on top of you trying to hurt you, you know, in a in a healthy way, I guess. Yeah. Um, and just getting used to that sort of 
stress and understanding how to deal with your own emotions when those things are happening. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Putting pressure on women too, like physical pressure. Yeah. We're not used to that. Real quick. Mm -hmm. I remember the first time I got hit in the face, I was like, Oh my gosh. Like, you know, you see everybody react differently and like, (laughs) I would rather be, hit in the face for the first time in a martial arts gym and learn how to work through it. Then the yeah. first time ever being like in Walmart getting attacked by somebody or whatever, you know? So it's like good to experience those things prior to an incident actually happening. Dude, I've been hit in the face twice. One time I was in freaking Alamogordo, New Mexico and crazy situation, but some cartel members ended up showing up and mm-hmm. a military versus cartel fight ensued. Wow. I got dumped and freaking punched in the face a couple of times. And that was like, I couldn't do anything. You know, this dude's sitting on top of me. I got one dude kicking me in the ribs on one side. Another dude's kicking me in the ribs on the other side. And the only thing I could do was literally just cover myself up. Right. Because you didn't have a reference. You didn't have any reference to what, like, what that would feel like. Um, like I, I encourage everybody get into some sort of jujitsu gym or some sort of martial art because like at least at minimum you would know how to like how you react to getting hit in the face. And second, you'll know what it feels like to have somebody sitting on top of you. Cause that mm-hmm. happens every single morning, <laughs> but that's crazy. No, dude, it was well, nuts. Yeah. The other thing too, is you can learn how to avoid confrontation as well. You know, yeah. kind of like when you go to a gym, you go to uh, either as jujitsu or boxing or anything, you kind of know what you're looking at. You know who the people are around there and you know what they're going to look like out in the real world, how they carry themselves, how they look, how they're going to try to, you know, the smart ones avoid conflict. Mm -hmm. Because one thing about conflict, conflict does end up in in incarceration sometimes, which can affect your gun rights sometimes. Oh yeah. So one thing too, is to avoid confrontation if you have to, if you can, can. but if you have to confront someone, commit, yeah. You know, commit to it. And that comes with male, female, or whoever. When you put that firearm in your concealed and it's concealed, or if it's on your person or someone knows you have it, that is a tool and it's your tool to stop whatever that threat is. But know how to use that tool and know what to do afterwards. Know how to identify yourself to law enforcement who's going to, who will come, and to also notify other people who are carrying weapons so you're not going to get shot because you don't want blue yeah. on blue. You don't want green on green. So, yeah, let's talk There's about a lot that that for a second. Like, sure. say you do roll up on a situation and you see some things going down and you identify the bad guy. Do you draw or do you go the other way? Right? Like, how do you make that decision? And how do you know who the bad guy is? Because what if it's a plainclothes cop? Yeah. You know, that's the other thing. Is I worked a lot of undercover stop. And a lot of times, you know, I look like a vagrant. Mm-hmm. Um, and the only thing you can see is maybe a badger on my neck or on my waist. And are you as a civilian going to be able to roll up onto that situation and go, Hmm, should I draw down? And what if that's, what if they think you're someone else? My, my viewpoint is this to protect you and protect the life of others. And if that other is your loved one, you don't have responsibility as a civilian to just roll up on a scene and go, Oh, those two are shooting it out. I'm going to jump into it. Yeah. I would avoid it. and I'd become a very good witness. And I thought about this yesterday, you know, every time I, and think scenarios, you know, Callie, before we got on here, you said you, you know, you were thinking about something you were dreaming, run scenarios through your head. You know, when you're, when I'm laying down at night before I go to bed, I always run through scenarios and it's kind of, it's kind of weird, but when you're, when you run through a lot of scenarios, 
something happens in like in reality. So yesterday I'm sitting there, I'm picking up my daughter from school and I think about someone road raging and maybe pulling out a gun in front of the, and my daughter's in the car with me. What do I do? What if they hit my car? What if, you know, God forbid someone from my old life comes up and shoots a couple rounds into my car and takes off, you know, and they're targeting me. What do I do? And my, my first viewpoint is secure my daughter. Mm-hmm. You know, secure her. I'm not going to chase after someone. Uh, maybe I'll secure her by getting her out of the car and then I will go and become a great witness, but don't engage. Because you know what the thing that's really cool is most of us have these cell phones on us. And the other thing with vehicles is, and we're going to kind of get off course here, but a lot of times becoming a great witness is a part of this whole thing. I have a dash cam on my Jeep and that keeps me for one liability wise in case something happens. And two, it makes me a great witness all the time. So people think about that when you're carrying this weapon, just because you have it doesn't mean you are going to take over the job of law enforcement. Yeah. yeah. If there's an active shooter, hell yeah. Engage us on bitch. Um, if someone's going to shoot at you or pull a knife on you or, or anything, listen, Maddie's five foot one. She knows how to beat someone's ass, but does she have the capability? If someone's beating her, what if she gets knocked out? What yeah. happens? And then she, then she introduced a weapon into a fight. So maybe she'll have to engage someone. And I'm yeah. speaking, this is a civilian. This is me as law enforcement. So, but I'm saying like, if think about, and that's one thing I always tell people, I'm like, watch videos, watch mm-hmm. videos all day long, yes. watch, watch videos. Because you know what, when you're testifying, you're saying, Hey, I watched this video and this girl was five foot six and she was badass, and she got knocked out and the guy did whatever. This guy was six foot one, 240 pounds. And he got knocked, he got his ass knocked out. And right. then they took his gun and did this. So always and train, visualize and train. Okay. I'm off my soapbox. Like I Sorry. think uh, <laughs> martial arts too, kind of that point. That's a good point. Cause what martial arts does is it puts you, it, it's a reality check, right? Like you are put in your place, you know exactly what you're capable of. Like as much as I know, like certain moves and stuff that might work in the cage or whatever. Like if a, if I do that six foot, two and 300 pounds comes at me like i might be able to put up a decent fight for my size but let's be realistic like i need to understand my limitations um the exact same thing from the officer side like understanding limitations and that's why we have other tools to use but you also have limitations with those tools as well which is why that visualization and training is so important absolutely absolutely and let's talk about some, some some more scenarios like that with like big dudes coming at you you know, like with women specifically, I'm not talking about dudes, women specifically, I'm 5'9", 140. I look like I'm freaking 90 pounds. I'm a beanpole, right? I look super tiny. People don't mess with me though, because I stand up straight and I make eye contact. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, even bigger dudes, like I make eye contact with them. They just keep going. 100%. Like how so, you carry yourself is everything. That is like the yeah. one, the, uh, being in shape, like fit and like how you carry yourself, your posture, your eye contact, like that will save your life more than anything else will. And I tell all my, cause I teach a lot of college students, tell all of them that cause they don't have weapons. They don't have training. They don't have any of that. Like just hold yourself in a manner that people will look at you and they respect you, I guess. Like that's yes. super important. Like be able to hold yourself in a room. Um, doesn't matter your age. Doesn't matter what you look like, who you are, like what your, what gender you are. Um, that's like a very basic skill that I think we lose. And like with young people, it's psychology. Um, yeah, so for yeah, animals, right? You think think about animals when they're looking down, 
they turn themselves like prey animals specifically. They're constantly looking up, right? They're picking their heads up, looking around. Then they put their head back down, they're eating. Pick their head back up and they look down. Well, what are we looking down at all the time? Mm-hmm. Our freaking phones, right? So when you look down at your phone, you go from predator to prey. And that's what the bad guys are looking for. So put your freaking phones away. Stop walking and texting. Stop walking and scrolling. Yeah. Save it for the toilet, right? And then <laughs> yeah, make eye contact and make eye contact. And don't be afraid to use your voice. Like I don't know how many people I have totally made myself look like a weirdo in front of because I I was like staring them like staring back at them if they were looking at me. I'm staring back at you. Like yeah. you're gonna sit here and look at each other for five minutes. Um, people aren't generally confrontational. So if you do that, you provide that certain type of posture, they're going to back off most of the time, at least like criminals are not really the brightest people in general anyway. Um, but most of them are not used to people back. Right. Yeah. They don't want to get hurt. They don't want to get hurt. They want an easy target. Don't be the easy target. Well, one thing, um, Maddie dog training, M A D D Y. D-A-W-G underscore training at IG. Mm-hmm. And then we're really going to start sending people your way. I want to see women I, get yeah. trained. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And hopefully the goal with Red Letter is basically like we did that. We're doing this first one up at Sawmill. Um, my okay. goal is to run it. Court, what's that? What's the date? Um, the, I think it's May 27th through 29th. Applications have already been passed through. We have 30 people like ready to go. So that one's full, but we're like the goal for me personally is to make that like a quarterly thing at various ranges. And, um, hopefully, you know, we get enough women involved and understand like what the project is about that we start pulling people in and then they start telling their friends too. So, um, this isn't the last red letter. We're going to have them consistently, hopefully, uh, but if you're not able to attend a red, like if somebody's not able to attend red letter, come take a class. Like we have three, four hour classes all the time. Oh yeah. Well, we know where to catch you guys. We've got Callie's out there training. Maddie's out there training. And if you're in the Northern Virginia area, I'll be having private training eventually. Uh, when I retire in 200 and something days, but anyway, Maddie and Callie, I do appreciate you guys coming on and talking about this today. I look forward to having you back on the show, do some round tables. We'll, you know, we'll, we'll bring up a topic and we'll, we'll game plan. We'll, we'll, beat it to death let's do an after actions review after your um your red letter we'll talk about how it went and, and things we could do to improve it and get more people involved with that that'd be awesome definitely yeah i'd appreciate that oh yeah i do have a class coming up virginia beach may 7th cool may 7th so ladies come, come learn the basics 